18, verses 1 through 8. It says that they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month, after they had departed from the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, when the, Lord gives you, uh, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to, to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him, what are we? You grumble, your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. That is the word of the Lord. So what we're going to do here is, uh, this is a, a two-part sermon, basically. We're going to be on this passage for, for two weeks, two Sundays, this Sunday and next Sunday. And I'm going to divide uh, this passage in half into two different parts. The first part, we're going to look at, at Israel's grumblings. And then next week, we're going to look at the response of the Lord. I initially had planned to preach on the passage as a whole, but as I began to prepare, uh, it, it, was, it was too much. Uh, there's too much there. Uh, to try to combine them, and I, I don't want to preach for an hour and a half, and I know you don't want me to preach for an hour and a half either, so um, I, I decided to to uh, divide them in two, and I, I think this is really good that we do this, because the first part of this is, very, it's, it, there's a very important lesson for us in that first part, and I think it's something that we all deal with on a regular basis. First of all, the title of the sermon is, The Lord Will Provide, and I got that title of thinking of one of the names of God, Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide, right? So as I was reading through this passage and studying it, that kept on coming back over and over. And if you're careful to look in Exodus as a whole book, we've transitioned from uh, the Lord delivering Israel out of Egypt to now the Lord showing his provisions for Egypt. So not only was he able to deliver them, but he's also able to sustain them. And that's what we're reading now is, is him providing for the nation as they, are, as they are leaving Egypt and going into the desert. Right now they're on their way to Mount Sinai. So when we say the Lord will provide, what we mean is that the Lord will give us everything. And that's the key word. We need to remember not some things, but he will give us everything we need. That's the other key word to remember. 
Not everything that we want or everything we think we need, right? Uh, Those two may be the same, the things that we want and everything that we think we need, but the Lord will give us everything we need for life and for godliness. And that's, that's the thing that we have to remember. His provisions are sufficient for us. Even when we do not think that they are, they are sufficient for us because they're working out a purpose in our lives. You see, within our text today, we need to realize that it is important for us not to put the Lord to the test when it comes to his ability to provide for us in our needs. We, we do not need to question the Lord about that. We do not need to put him to the test at all. Because if we look at our own lives and if we're honest with ourselves, we will see that he's a, he has already proven himself to be a perfect provider. He's already proven that to us. As Christians, we look back, we see his provisions, we see how he has cared for us. Yes, we hadn't gotten everything we wanted, but we realized those things that we wanted were necessary, not necessarily the things that we needed. The Lord has given us what we need when we needed it. And that brings us to our sermon summary here. Um, and it's this, the abundance of his provisions for us should evoke us to trust him more. Let me reread that. The abundance of his provisions for us should evoke us to trust him more. You see, we can trust him more because in our dealings with him, the Lord has never failed us. And essentially what that means is that he will never fail us. He will never fail in providing you with what you need exactly when you need it. So let's take a closer look at this passage and and, and hopefully we can gain a better understanding of it. Um, so I want to look at what we can observe within this passage first, and then we'll talk about an application. So what we observe with this passage, and, and like I said, I want to divide it into two different uh, sections. I want to look at verses 1 through 3. And within verses 1 through 3, we see Israel's discontent with the Lord. They're not happy with the Lord. They're not satisfied with what the Lord has done for them. So we're looking at Israel's discontent with the Lord. Now, after receiving water at Merah, which we talked about last week, and, and, and then at Elam, right after Merah, they, there was a, a short part in that passage where it talks about them going to Elam and, and they're resting there by the water. Now the Lord leads Moses and the people uh, to the desert. Of sin, it says. And it says sin is in between Elam and Mount Sinai. And if we remember, Mount Sinai is the destination. That's where, that's where God promised Moses that him and his people will worship them, or worship him, excuse me, on that mountain. And that will be proof that he has delivered them from Egypt. So that was a prophecy from the Lord as he delivered to Moses. So they're on their way to Mount Sinai, and they're in between Elam and Mount Sinai at this point. Now, the text says that it was a month and a half since they had left the land of Egypt. So we're not talking about years here. We're talking about the recent past. And that's important for us to remember because 
we saw the work that the Lord had done in Egypt. It was dramatic. It was wonderful. Uh, it was glorious. And, and how can you ever forget that? If that were to happen to us once in our lifetime, we would remember it forever. Now, but this is a month and a half since they had seen the, word, the Lord work mightily in Egypt. But here, for the second time since leaving Egypt, the people of Israel were put to the test by the Lord. They were put to the test, and as in the first instance, they failed. They failed, and the reason why they failed was because instead of trusting in the Lord, for him to provide what they needed, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron. In essence, we find out in verse 8 that they were not really grumbling against Moses and Aaron, but against the Lord, because it was by the Lord's hand that they were in their current situation. So two times they were, they were put to the test, and both times they grumbled against the Lord because they didn't feel they had what they needed. The first time was with water, and now we're looking at uh, a lack of food. Now the issue for them again this time was not a growing it was a excuse me the issue for them this time was a growing concern from a lack of food and then also still dealing with the difficulty of not finding water when they wanted to now if you look at the text you can expect this because they were in the wilderness wilderness translates to desert so these are hard conditions hard conditions uh, that they were uh, dealing with and living in uh, water was, was, was in short supply, and food was also, but they had the Lord. Uh, but that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough, so they grumbled against the Lord that, that things weren't to their expectation. Now, for the people to grumble against God concerning their situation, it, it meant one of the following. It meant, first of all, that they, that they knew better than God. They, they knew a better way. You know, they might have been telling Moses, we told you to go right when you went left. Why, did, why didn't you listen to us? Well, Moses is saying, well, I went right because the Lord went right. We're being led by the Lord. But they knew better. Or they could do better than God. Or they deserved better than what God was providing for them. So they're grumbling against God was for one of those reasons. They knew better than God, they could do better than God, and they deserve better than what God was providing for them. As we talked about last week, when we grumble against God, it's mainly for one of those reasons. We think we can do better, we think we know better, or we think we deserve better. Now, their discontent for the Lord was so great at this point that it severely clouded their minds. They were so enraged, unhappy, uh, they were so worried that it clouded their minds and they misremembered. I'm making that a word today, right? They misremembered how bad Egypt was for them. They were so led by their passions. Have you ever been there before where you're just so angry, so worried, so whatever it is that you're just led by your passions that you're really not thinking clearly about the situation I think we do that very often 
whenever we deal with hardship and trouble in the here and now. We, we tend to think back and think how things used to be and, and we start thinking how bad or how good they were versus how bad things are now. Now, listen to them in Exodus 16, verse 3. This is what they said. Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Stop right there. Instead of being here, what they're saying is that we should have just died. It would have been better for us to die at the hand of the Lord in Egypt. Now, we saw what the Lord did to the Egyptians with all the plagues. We talked about all the plagues. They're saying that's better than being where they're at right now. So they say, what, uh, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the, in the land of Egypt. Now listen, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. And then he, they say, for you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now, I think people do some strange things whenever they're hungry. Right? I, I really do. I think hunger is one of those things that we as humans just have a hard time with. Because we're, we're, so we're so used to getting food when we want it. And th- that, you see those, 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 those sneaker commercials, uh, the sneaker commercials and all that, when, when, when they don't have food, they turn into this other person. I, I think that's true for most people. When we're hungry, we're so agitated with that that we don't think clearly. And obviously here in this passage, the people are not thinking clearly. Because if they were thinking clearly, and if they did not misremember, they would remember that though they were slaves back in Egypt, and they were severely mistreated by Pharaoh and the Egyptians, they would rather be back there again, rather than being free, but hungry. They would remember exactly what Pharaoh did to them and exactly what the Egyptians did to them and all the hardship that they went through. They would remember that if they were thinking clearly, but they were not. They were saying things were better back then than they are now. Numbers 20 verse 5 says this, and what's neat about Numbers is that Numbers provides details for, uh, for Exodus and also in Deuteronomy. But in Numbers 20, 25, in this situation, it says, it gives us some more detail about what's going on here. And it says, And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. So we see a more detailed com- uh, complaint against Moses and the reason why they are agitated. There's no grain, no figs, no vines, no pomegranates, no, no pomegranates, meaning there is, it's not at our fingertips. There's no easy access to any, any of that. So then therefore, we do not like where we're at right now. Now, what they're really saying, when they say that they would have rather been back in Egypt under the rule of Pharaoh as slaves being fed. They sat by pots, by meat pots. What they're really saying is that Pharaoh had done a better job of caring for them than the Lord was currently doing. I, that's the only place I can go. They're not happy with where they're at now. They're free, but yes, they're hungry. 
It's hard. It's difficult. And yet they want to go back to where Pharaoh was. Or they want to go back with Pharaoh. They want to go back under his leadership. They're saying Pharaoh did a better job. Yeah, we were slaves back there, but at least we were not hungry. At least we drank all we want. Now, the advantage we have is that we have the text. We have the text so that we can look back to see if this was really true. And let's turn back to Exodus chapter 1. And I'm just going to hit some highlights here to see if this was really true, if their life was better with Pharaoh than it is with God now. Well, in Exodus chapter 1, just a quick scan through that, um, you can see that Exodus 1 tells us that the new Pharaoh didn't remember Jacob. So it says that he, or excuse me, not Jacob, but Joseph. So it says that he dealt shrewdly with the Israelites. It says that they were set as slaves and that the Egyptians practiced genocide against them by killing all their firstborn sons. This is the kind of thing that they're misremembering. Now, Exodus 2 talks about how the people groaned. They groaned because of their slavery. They cried out. They were in anguish because of their slavery. And they cried out to God to save them. They were enslaved. They were being mistreated. But they didn't remember that when they were complaining. They were just saying it's better to be under Pharaoh than under God. And then if we go to Exodus chapter 5, you can read through there and you can see how right before God was going to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt, um, things got harder before they got better. And the Egyptians made the work of the Israelites very difficult, very hard. They made them, they made them do more work with less resources and Exodus chapter 5 talks about how the Israelites had a broken spirit. Basically, they had given up on life because they were just so defeated by Pharaoh and his rule. They had a broken spirit because, because those things got harder before they got better. They didn't remember that when they grumbled against the Lord. They just said it would have been better in Egypt if we were there as slaves with a full belly than being here where the Lord has us today. It would have been better. You see, the nation was enslaved. The nation of Israel was enslaved for over 400 years. Countless of people were murdered and mistreated during that time. But in their eyes, it was better than the Lord's current care. Now, we talk about grumbling and we talk about how that comes from the heart. And we talk about how grumbling against the Lord is never, never right. I hope this is an example for us today that we can see what we are really saying whenever we are grumbling against the Lord for our current situation. Whenever we're looking back and saying, I wish things were like that instead of the way they are today. Now, that's the observation, but let's talk about an application today for our church. Question. 
Do you ever remember a time when you were going through something tough? When you were going through some difficulty? And you look back, you look back and wish things were like they were back in the day. Now, I'm not saying that reminiscing is sinful. Now, I'm not saying that we should not look back and appreciate the the things that the Lord has done for us in the past. All that can be done and it can be glorifying to the Lord. But have you ever come across a time where things were so difficult in the here and now, you didn't want to be here and now? Instead, you wanted to be sometime in the past. You wanted to be back there again. You wanted your situation to be like that again so that you don't have to deal with the here and the now. I think we need to be very careful about that. And I think that happens more than we realize. We tend to be people who escape with our minds because we cannot escape with our bodies. You see, these sort of things happen in our marriages. We get married and it's wonderful, right? It's wonderful. Honeymoon is wonderful. Several years after that is wonderful. Things are going great. Some point, at some point, there's going to be difficulty. And instead of dealing with the difficulty, all we do is think about how great things used to be. And I want to get back there. And if I don't get back there, then this marriage is ending. I want to get back to the past when when we were in love. And instead of dealing with the problems of today, we're living in yesterday, those problems continue to get worse within our marriage, then the marriage falls apart. These things happen with kids. Because when you were married before and had no kids, you had a lot of freedom. We could go there. We could do this. I could take a nap. I could do whatever it is you want to do, right? I wasn't as tired. I wasn't as consumed with something because it was just you and I. Remember how great those days were. I wish we could go back there. I wish we could go back and start all over and and then eventually get back to this point. You see, we begin to try to escape just because there's difficulty in the present with our kids. How about financial situations? Do the same things there. I remember at one point when I had this this job before in the past, and I remember that was the best job I ever had. I should have never left that place. It's your fault the reason why I left. I was happy there. We were making good money. And and I took this new job and it didn't work out. And now I'm severely unhappy and I I don't want to do any of the work that's assigned to me because I'm so unhappy about leaving the job that I had before. I want to go back over there. If it's not financial situations, it's friends. And even worse, it's ministry. It's ministry. Ever since I've taken over this ministry, we tell ourselves, ever since I've gotten this responsibility, I am just so stressed out. There's so much for me to do. I never have me time. 
I wish I could just go back to the day before I even said yes, before I even got into this ministry because it's just consuming my life and I'd just rather go back and enjoy my time on the couch. I'd rather enjoy my time by myself. I'd rather have some alone time and just enjoy not doing anything. But now my life is just always crowded with ministry. We do that as well. And we say, man, if only I could go back. You see, I can go on and on about the different areas in our lives where we just want to go back. We want to escape. And as I said, it's not always bad to let the good times roll, to let them to to remember them. But we need to be wise not to grumble or covet the way things were. We need to be very careful about that. We need to be careful about doing this because it's within our nature. You see, we have a tendency to see things in the past as better than the here and now. And we do that even though it's not really true. We're misremembering the past. Because when you actually were living in the past, or I can say when the past was the present, you were not happy then. Why? Because you were living in the past. You see, if if you're a person who continually lives in the past, that means you are not happy with the present. And what you're remembering is not something that was factual or true. It's something that you've made up in your mind. It's a way of you to escape from your current situation. And that's what we need to be very careful about. Ecclesiastes 7.10, Solomon, one of the wisest men who have ever lived, said this. Why? Say not, he says, say not. Why were the former days better better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. I'll say it again. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not for wisdom that you ask this. And even Jesus said, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's Luke 9.62. You see, I think both of those passages are, are very important to remind us that we need to live in the here and now and we need to deal with our issues. We need to deal with our circumstances. And in dealing with those things, we need to trust in the Lord. You see, as his people, you and I, We need to learn to praise God today. We need to learn to praise him in the here and now instead of just thinking about the there and then. You like that? That took a little bit to put that together. I'm I'm a little proud of that. That's one of those lines where I'm saying, I'm going to repeat that. And you say, amen, right? As his people, you and I need to learn to praise God in the here and now instead of thinking about the there and then. (laughs) 
Thank you for indulging me. Thank you. Philippians 4, verses 12 to 13 says, they, it says this. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Then Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You see, what Paul was saying there is I've learned how to deal with the here and now. No matter what I face, whether things are going good or when they're not, when I'm brought low or when, I'm, when I abound. I've learned the secret of facing plenty or being in hunger, abundance or need. He says, I've, I've, learned, I've learned how to do that. And it's not based on my ability, my willingness to do it, but rather it's based on the Lord who strengthens me. You see, contentment is the key word here. And the truth of it is that God uses all types of circumstances to grow us. When we look at our, back at our passage, we see that God was testing the Israelites. Their difficulty was from the hand of God. He was making things tough for them so that they could see their sin. They could see who they really were. So those impurities could be brought to the surface. He was showing them that they really don't trust him. And and it proved to be true because they wanted to be slaves again. They wanted to be free from the Lord and slaves to to Pharaoh. And for us, God uses all types of circumstances to grow us. You hear me say this all the time. He uses the good times. He uses the bad times. And he uses the real ugly times to conform us into the image of his son. We cannot afford to run away from the here and now. There's too much to learn. There's too much to grow. There's too many blessings in the here and now to try to escape. As his children, we need to know that the Lord will provide what we need when we need it. You see, the real issue with wishing things were the way they were before, the issue there is that we display a lack of trust in what God is doing now. And like the Israelites, we just want things when we want them. But it doesn't work that way with God. He is the one who is sovereign. He is the one who created us. We are the creature. He is the creator. He determines when now happens. What our job, to do, what our job is, is to trust him. I was reading uh, uh, my devotional um, and I've, I've been really enjoying uh, Spurgeon's, uh, Charles Spurgeon's uh, devotional. It's called Morning and Evening. And I'm usually not a devotional guy, but this, this has been really blessing my life. And one of the things he said about trust is this. He says, there is no excuse for fear when God is the foundation of your trust. That really just blessed me when I read that. I was like, wow, there's no excuse for fear when God is the foundation of 
your trust. See, out of fear, we live in the past. We don't need to do that. We don't need what we had yesterday. However great we thought it was, there's a reason why it's gone. God took it away. Whatever it is, whatever it is that we had in the past, and whatever blessings it brought to our lives, everything is within God's time. It's not there in our lives anymore because God took it away. One way or another, he took it away, he let it go away. It's gone because he was sovereign over that situation. And, and it's tough, it's tough to think about that, but you know it is true. We do not have it because the Lord has taken it away. But it's okay because we don't need to trust in what the Lord has taken away. Rather, we need to trust in the Lord who has given it to us. He gave it to us for a reason. He took it away for a reason. Today, all we need is the Lord. Again, whatever situation we're going through, the Lord will provide just need to trust in him. Let's go ahead and prepare ourselves to end this service with a, with a prayer. But in doing so, I, I do want to extend an invitation this morning. I want to ask if our prayer partners would come up to the front, please. And as our prayer partners come up to the front, I, I want to take a few minutes to invite those who need prayer concerning this topic, concerning this subject. Now, I, I, I want to say this before I, I, I extend the invitation. Look, you're amongst your brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is one of the reasons why we are supposed to come together. We are supposed to pray for one another, encourage one another, to help one another. And this is a, a wonderful way to be helped and encouraged by your brother and sister in Christ. Now, I think this is a common problem within believers to live in the past and, and try not to deal with the situation here and now. The invitation for this morning is that you come and pray with your brothers and sisters and that they're allowed to pray with you and to help you deal with the here and now. To ask God to help you with the here and now. To ask God to help you not to escape to the past, but rather to trust in him more. We're going to let that happen for a few minutes, and then after that's done, I'll end with a, a word of prayer. You can come up as you please.